0: Jimmy's Table Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, Jimmy'sTable.com I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food So today is episode 76, in which I'm going to talk about making hard decisions and the casting of lots You heard that right casting of lots. Well, what is casting of lots? Well, we'll get into that in just a little bit here. But before we do, I want to play a clip from a movie about making hard decisions. You're probably going to recognize this clip comes from Forrest Gump. Uh, So be careful a little bit with the audio on this. I tried to turn it down a little bit to make it a little more podcast friendly uh, because it involves some shooting and some explosions. Um, But anyway, I want to play this scene from Forrest Gump in which Force Gump is forced to make a decision about finding Bubba. Ah! Ah! A- yeah! I can't leave the platoon. I told you to leave me there, Gump. Forget about me. Get yourself out. Did you hear what I said? Gump, put me down. Get out of here. I didn't ask you to pull me out of there. Where do you think you're going? Yeah, Bob. I got an airstrike inbound right now. They're going to nate the whole area. Don't you stay here. That's an order. I got find uh. Bubba. So that's definitely a classic scene, right? We all know it. We all know it pretty well, I think. Uh, I think we've all pretty much seen Forrest Gump. Forrest is... Out in Vietnam, this whole other country, and he's out with his platoon, and all of a sudden uh, they suffer a surprise attack, and the platoon gets busted up, and Forrest Gump's best good friend Bubba uh, is uh, lost in the jungles of Vietnam, and uh, Forrest starts looking for him, and runs back to find him, only to keep finding all these other soldiers, and he, you know, starts rescuing them along the way, and he drags them to safety. Um, and finally he comes aclo- across Lieutenant Dan and uh, he goes and saves Lieutenant Dan and Lieutenant Dan's ar- ordered a napalm strike to totally blow up the area and he's still looking for uh, his best good friend, Bubba And in a split decision, Forrest makes the hard decision to run back in the jungles uh, under enemy fire, under the threat of being napalmed by his own uh, military, uh, all to-, to look for his best good friend. Bubba and he runs back into the forest uh, To find him. Well, I think we can all kind of relate To that maybe to some degree <laughs> We've probably not most of us probably have never been in, put a, in a situation where we had to make a life and death decision on a, on a whim um, and where we had to do it under the uh, uh, threat of being blown up uh, by our own government Perhaps you have I don't know maybe maybe you have Um, But I think most of us haven't been in that uh, situation before, but we can relate to it in the fact that life is full of hard decisions. While we're not often put in a predicament where we have to make instantaneous hard decisions, um, there are no doubt times in our lives in which we have to make very difficult decisions, decisions that could impact our very lives um for the rest of our lives and maybe even jeopardize them or the life of somebody else. I can I don't think I've ever had too many situations in my life where I've had to make life and death decisions. So oh, I've definitely had to make decisions that involved my physical safety and well being. Um but I can definitely think of times in my life where I was kind of put in a pickle. Um a couple hard times. Uh and I can and specifically think back to my mid to late twenties when, you know, Things weren't working out very well for me. I was kind of stuck in a a job at a law firm that didn't pay very well. And uh, on top of it, I was deep in debt. Try as I might uh, to find another job. At the end of the day, I was really not able to do such, even spite of putting out hundreds of resumes to all over the place in order to try to find a better job. And if things weren't bad enough, I was suffering from chronic medical problems that was causing me a lot of physical pain. Um, some of that related to the nature of my job involving being on my feet all day. Uh, and I kind of hit a bottom. I was kind of at a crossroads. Um, I had recently gotten out of a bad relationship that I was in. Um, and uh, my parents, in their grace, seeing their son try so hard, um, seeing him try to make something of himself, uh to, to be better, um, you know, they offered me kind of an out. Uh, they were essentially gonna allow me to hit the reboot button and to move out of Charlotte where I live presently um, to w- live with them again in Richmond, Virginia area uh, so that I could you know try a new location, allow myself uh, to kind of collect myself, maybe try to find a new job at another location um, and you know just try to make a strong course correction but, I, I did a lot of thinking about that. I was like, man, that would be a hard decision. But you know, sticking it out where I was and continuing to try the path that I was on was also going to be a hard decision. And I was put in a place where I needed to either try to stick it out and man up or, you know, to be an individual in my mid to late 20s to move back in with mom and dad. And some of you may consider that a no-brainer. Never under any circumstance <laughs> move back in with mom and dad, right? Um, and it's an understandable thing. It's kind of your natural reaction to not want to do that. Um, but uh, when you're only making twelve bucks an hour, uh, and you're you know over thirty thousand dollars in debt, um, and you aren't having any prospects. You're working two jobs and you still are, as I talked about on a prior podcast episode, lucky to be broke at the end of the month. Um, you know, when you're when things are that bad, uh, you know, you, you don't take an offer like that for granted. Um, because it could have been very easy where my parents could have just said, well, you're a man now, you're on your own, figure it out. Um, but then, you know, they did make the generous offer to allow me to come back in to move with them. And, and when you're under such situation as... As revolting as that may naturally be when you're in your mid to late twenties uh, to be a man and to try to move back in with mom and dad because you were failing so colossally bad, um, the temptation to do so is is a real thing, um, and it's a generous offer that they made me, and it's something that uh, I pondered and wrestled with for a little bit, um, and it's something I committed much to prayer uh, to talking with. Uh, Other individuals and and at the end of the day really just kind of having it out with God You know, I I just felt like, you know, if I made that decision that would be uh, You know in some ways an easy way out although, you know, it involved me swallowing my pride and and doing the hard thing socially from a social aspect uh, To move back in with mom and dad Um, but I ultimately after much there thought prayer consideration and really having a one-on-one with God about it, you know, really just burying my heart before the Lord Um, I really felt at the end of the day like God wanted me to stay the course And to just keep pressing on I, I felt in my heart of hearts that you know, God did not want me to move back to to Richmond Um, and it was just something that I just couldn't do even though the offer was there um and uh I decided I just needed to press on. I felt like God had something for me still yet in the future in the greater Charlotte area, even though I didn't know what that would be just yet. Um, Because frankly, it had yet to materialize in what I was doing in my day to day. And, uh, you know, it was just something that I felt like at some point, like I was just uh, exercising futility in which I was continually banging my head against a wall and making no progress whatsoever. So I made the decision to stay and to work things out and just to keep pressing on. (laughs) Things got worse. Um, And a lot of bad things continued to happen as a result of my decision to stay. Um, I was eventually put in the point um, and uh, had to declare Chapter 7 bankruptcy. I got so much in the deep um, financially uh, with the debts, not being able to pay over my head. My life was just getting worse and worse. Um, I'd go on job interviews, sometimes multiple job interviews in a short period, and I never got a job. Um, and some of the job interviews I went on, it's kind of like, why did you even bother to call me to begin with? Because this interview seemed kind of hostile. Um, I remember particularly a law firm I interviewed at for looked at my uh, resume and they looked at that I went to a Christian college and they just assumed that I must be some machoist bigot. And they pretty much treated me as such throughout the interview. It was really surprising. Um, so, you know, things like that really, really turn your stomach when you face such hostilities in a job that you kind of on the, the desperation rope. Um, so that was kind of my prediction. But I stuck it out. And it took some time and it took a lot. Took me to the point where I was forced to declare uh, financial bankruptcy. But things did eventually turn around. And things turned out actually wonderfully well. I ended up eventually getting uh, a good job at a good company um, and making a decent livable wage for once. And actually making above a quote-unquote living wage. And um, it eventually set me on actually on the career path that I'm currently on right now. Um, And I've gone from being somebody who was broke uh, or lucky to be broke, so to say, um, to somebody who carves out a pretty comfortable uh, middle-class lifestyle. Uh, And I went from being in... A sour relationship and uh, having some really bad experiences in the world of dating, to eventually being an individual who's now been happily married for going on seven years. Um, so things worked out, and they worked out in a rather unexpected way. So that's kind of the the backstory, I guess, for today. Um, in today's podcast, I don't. I don't want this just to be about me and the decisions I've made. I want to help you make better decisions because you know some of you might be listening and you might be sitting there thinking you're you're in a predicament yourself and maybe you can relate to my story. Um, you, you're in a situation in which you feel like you have to make a hard decision um, and you don't really quite know the decision to make. Um, so I want to help you today in this podcast in making hard decisions. Um, and how we can better go about making those decisions uh, in our lives. Whatever your situation might ultimately be. So the first thing when I want to talk about when making a hard decision and what you need to do. You need to consider the risk. You do need to look at, you know, what is the bad thing that could happen here? What, what are the negative things that could manifest itself in my life if I make this decision? Um, and not just the one particular thing, but you know, consider all the associated risk, everything from uh, the really bad to the really not so bad. You need to you need to go into whatever situation you do with your eyes wide open. Um, you, you need to be realistic with yourself. You need to, you know, be honest and, and not just, you know, have some sort of rosy optimism that just you're gonna fake it till you make it sort of, Perspective and, and a situation in which you don't even acknowledge the real difficulties and troubles that you may face as a result of your decision. Such, such a head in the cloud sort of mentality may sell a lot of self help guru type books and sermons and things of that nature. Um, but if you're not considering the risk of a situation, you're frankly just being a fool. Um, you know, a fool is an individual who just. You know, throws caution to the wind and doesn't consider the risk. So anytime you make an assessment and try to make a decision on what you want to do in life, um, do weigh your options and consider the risk. Point number two, consider the rewards. You know, this is basically just how we do stuff in corporate America, right? Uh, risk, rewards uh, and stuff like that when we go ahead and calculate the overall risk and reward of a profit or a loss. Um, well, maybe you can kind of approach your life a little bit like that. Like if you are running a business, if you can kind of think of it as a helpful model, what are the risks and what are the rewards? What's, what is the upside of you making this decision? Whatever your decision ultimately is, whether it's a decision that involves something that's less than ideal, or if you end up making an ideal decision, what's the possible best outcome or the, all the possible outcomes that you could ultimately experience as a result of making this decision. You, you need to look at the optimistic side of things and sit there and think, well, you know, what is the possible rewards? Because some people get into this situation where all they think about is the terrible things. Don't be one of the people who do nothing but stress and fret and get upset and think about the terrible things. Because if you sit there and think about nothing but the terrible things and what could go wrong, um, you'll eventually kind of land in the uh, uh, world of uh, analysis paralysis in which you're too afraid to make a decision because all you can th- sit there and think about you know what could go wrong instead of sitting there thinking about all the things that could go wrong sit there and also think about in light of the things that could go wrong what are all the things that could go right what's the best of all possible outcomes what sort of scenarios am I going to be ultimately set up um, in my life with as a result of making these decisions? And will it be ultimately worth whatever it is that I have to go through in order to make those decisions? Will the reward, will the payoff ultimately be worth the possible downside risk? Point number three, consider your vision and values. At the end of the day, you gotta know what's driving you. You gotta know what's making you tick. Um, and you got to make your hard decisions in life based off the values um, that you ultimately possess as an individual, based off your character, who you are, what you're made of, um, and at the end of the day, where you would ultimately like to end up. Have a goal. Have a have a have a point that you a destination that you want to get to. Um, but consider that you know whatever destination you shoot for, um, that at the end of the day. The journey is just as important as the destination and the path you choose based off your vision and values will often determine uh, the ultimate outcome for what you make. So the path is ultimately just as important as the destination. And so it is absolutely crucial that you take stock, that you take inventory, and that you think, you know, based off my values, based off my beliefs, based off of who I am and what I'm made of, where would I like to end up? And at the end of the day, would I be ultimately happy with the person that I've become at the end of that journey? Point number four, consult with trusted advisors. You may not need to ask Lieutenant Dan what Lieutenant Dan thinks you should do, but you should probably hear him out just the same. Uh, You'll probably hear a lot of uh, people, you know, give you uh, a lot of the negative risk associated with things, and you'll hear a lot of naysayers along the way. You'll have individuals who do nothing but downplay um, your vision and your values, um, because they're going to ultimately toss their things in there too, and what they vision, what they see for themselves, and, and uh, you know the character that they have, uh, the perspectives that they have. But you know, don't be afraid to listen to the people who uh, give you negative perspectives on things, just as well as listen to the individuals who give you the the cheerful side of the story and encourage you uh, to keep your chin up and uh, keep your eyes on the prize and to focus. On the good and, and to take leaps of faith, um. Because at the end of the day, you know, tr- go to people that you ultimately trust, uh, whether it's family, friends, uh, people you work with, whatever. You know, talk to people that you trust and let them help you make a decision. Don't ever make a decision just simply on your own. Um, there's much wisdom in a plurality of counselors, according to the Book of Proverbs in the Bible. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't just make your decision alone. God placed us in community for a reason. Um, and that's because we are not able to function on our own as individuals. We all need somebody to help us along the way. Uh no, no man is an island, so to say. Um, so if you have some trusted people in your lives, people you value their input and insight from, consult with these individuals about your plans. Um Not only because they will help shape you with your perspectives and help you maybe narrow things down and winnow things down into a a specific path and course of action, uh, especially if the individual maybe has an area of expertise um, that they're able to really consult with you in on something that might require more technical, hard decisions that uh, maybe have financial or legal ramifications. Um, Consult with your certified financial assistant or uh, your attorney at the end of the day, right? Um, uh, but you know at the end of the day these people will also be able to help you find your potential blind spots and that's why it's so important never just to do something on your own because at the end of the day um, you can become so focused on the things that you dream up both positive and negative um, that you if unless you have an outside consultant of some sort who's able to give you feedback there's going to be blind spots and things happening in your life that you're not even going to be aware that you're not aware of Um, And you're going to need individuals who can speak truth into your life um, and who can help you see things that you don't have the ability to see in of yourself. Point number five, don't make a decision purely based on your fears or the path that ultimately promises the easiest path. In fact, when weighing your options, you should probably toss out your worst and best case scenarios. You know, I know I said to consider the risk, consider the rewards, you know, what's the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario and everything in between, but let's just be real here. I don't know about you, but there's been seldom a time in my life that I've made a decision and I've seen all my worst case scenarios play out or I've seen all my best case scenarios play out. And as, as the old proverb says, 95% of the things you worry about never happen. So, you know, with that kind of uh, mindset built in and that kind of grain of salt, that nugget of wisdom, you know, ultimately, we, I think we probably should just chuck out the fact that the worst case scenario is seldom going to happen. And we should probably chuck out uh, that, you know, the most golden scenario is likely to happen. Um, Because the truth of the matter is whatever decision we ultimately make, it's probably going to have a little bad, a little downside, a little upside. Uh, Things aren't exactly going to be in a straight line. I've found anything uh, in this life, life tends to be a little bit more curved and up and down than uh, a straight line sort of scenario in one direction. Um, And things seldom work out. To the worst case, and things seldom work out to the best case, it's usually in that in-between, even or even if things end up being largely negative. Usually you find somewhere in the middle in your life is how things ultimately play out. And then not to mention, at the end of the day, sometimes decision and things will be infinitely better or infinitely worse than you could have possibly imagined. Um, even with all your weighing of the risk, your weighing of the rewards and consulting with friends who would help you choose uh, wisely so that you can be aware. And it's been my experience so far in life that the decisions I've ultimately, made, the hard decisions, that even when things have worked out and had some negative things, definitely making the choice to stay in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, resulted in part um, me going broke and bankrupt, um, not to mention all the stupid financial decisions that I made. But uh, my, my path to the place where I am now ultimately involved uh, making a hard decision that saw uh, me take a uh, slacken at the end of the day with not only going deeper in debt and suffering more pains um, and having more despair and more dark nights of the soul so to say, and lots of restless, sleepless nights. Um, But at the end of the day, things did work out well for me. In fact, I would say that where I am now in my life um, ended up being far better than I could ever imagine. Um, And my expectations of to stay in Charlotte and feel like God placed me here for a purpose and a reason, um, those things worked out beautifully in my life, even though the, the, the decision I ultimately picked involved a hard decision. Um, and sometimes I've learned in life, you're deliberately going to have to choose to do the hard thing in order to get uh, what you're ultimately after. And so don't make a decision purely based off of your fears, nor the one that promises the easiest path. Sometimes choosing the hard thing to do to, to pick up your cross and die to self may ultimately have the greatest payoff in the end. So don't be afraid to choose the hard thing. Point number six, pray. But don't stress over the so-called perfect will of God. Um, you know, for those of you who maybe aren't religious, Don't come from the background I do. I come from a very evangelical, Pentecostal sort of background. And, you know, there's this tendency to feel like, you know, God is somehow directing your life. Um, His eye is on the sparrow, so therefore his eye is on me, right? Well, we kind of fret over that and we have this tendency to sit there and think, well, God must have a plan for my life and it's my purpose to ultimately divine what God's plan and purpose is for my life and to discern that and to ultimately make sure that I I pick the perfect will of God because I would hate to pick the wrong thing and be outside the will of God. Because outside of the will of God, I would be in a very dangerous place in which anything and everything that could go wrong would go wrong and I would all of a sudden be outside somehow of God's divine favor and blessing and protection. And I would be kind of on my own, um, drifting through the universe, blown by whichever winds blow me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we kind of have and operate off that perspective sometimes. And I've known some people who are so hardcore about this, that they, they fret and they stress and they pray and they pray hard and then they talk to 10,000 people and then they still don't know. So they start consulting so-called prophets who can, you know, does God have a word for me, you know, to give me a direct uh, guidance on this particular issue. I just need a word from God. I need a word from heaven. I need somebody to speak to me. I can understand that perspective and it's something of a place I've lived in at times in my life. But the older that I've gotten and the the more I've lived my faith journey at the end of the day, I've kind of found out that's not really how God normally works. We're always looking for some sort of burning bush decision, uh, to uh, some sort of burning bush encounter to point us in the right way. We're, we're like Moses, wandering through the wilderness, and we're just waiting for this divine encounter with God to tell us to go to Pharaoh and to demand, God, Pharaoh, let my people go. And while there may be moments in such of our lives in which God makes it crystal clear to us in our burning bush type of moment of what we are supposed to do, such moments, I feel, are very, very rare. And it's kind of arrogant for us to think that God is regularly going to give us such experiences. Such experiences, I believe, are exceptionally rare uh, and they're borderline miraculous at the end of the day, when they happen, and I don't believe that's how God normally operates uh, for us. When God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, He didn't tell them, "You have to schedule on Monday what plants to take care of, and these are the plants you're going to take care of, and on Tuesday you're going to go over here and take care of these plants in this way and that way, and and on Wednesday you're going to take and you know it, God didn't lay it all out nice and neat for them. Uh, he he gave them a garden and he gave them freedom over to uh, choose what to do while in that garden. He was just like, hey, you know, there's this one plant over here uh, bearing a certain kind of fruit. I don't want you to eat that one. Uh, But, you know, the rest of the garden, feel free to do with it as you please. Um, And, you know, God did things like bring the animals to Adam to see what Adam and Eve would call them. Um, So, you know, God has given us, I believe, a great deal of sort of Uh, divine autonomy, if you will, over the decisions we make in our lives. Um, God's waiting ultimately many times for us to make the decision um, for what we are to do with our lives. Yes, we should pray um, and we should consult the Lord and the scriptures and, um, you know, hopefully allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to our lives about specific direction. Um, But, you know, I found a lot of that fretting and, Searching for the so-called perfect will of God is just an excuse to be stuck in that analysis paralysis mode. And it's an excuse not to make a decision because we don't want to ultimately have to answer for the decisions we make. We want to be off the hook for any bad decisions that we make. And we want to be able to ultimately probably blame it on God at the end of the day. Um, But I feel like that's not how God works. And God ultimately is sitting there waiting for us to make the decision after we've counseled with individuals, after we've looked at the risk, after we've looked at the rewards, um, after we've looked at the people that we are, the character that we're made of, the vision and the values that are deep within our heart. Um, We're not sitting there simply to wait on heaven to light a bush on fire and start speaking to us. Instead, instead. God calls us to make a decision. Um, And there's, you know, to some degree, we're supposed to make the wisest decision possible. But sometimes, you know, we might need to just cast the proverbial lot. I spoke about this at the beginning of the episode. I'll talk about the casting of lots. And if that's something you're not familiar with, let me kind of bring you up to speed. So what is the casting of lots? Well, it's something you see in a lot of the ancient religions of the world uh, and it's a feature that you saw in Judaism and Christianity. Basically, the casting of lots um, was kind of like, I guess you could say, the uh, the rolling of the dice. Saying, hey, you know, God has a will out there. Um, and I'm not sure I'm at a hard crossroads and wanting to make a decision at the end of the day, but I'm not sure what to do. So I'm going to cast this lot and believing that nothing really random happens out there in the universe and that God is in control. And that he works all things for the good of those who love Christ and are called to his purposes. Ha! Glory! Um, So I'm going to trust God and divine God's will by simply casting a lot, um, by rolling the dice and whatever the dice rolls on, whatever the magic eight ball says at the end of the day, that's kind of how I'm going to play out and make my decision. So that idea gets a lot of, (laughs) ha ha ha, that's kind of stupid sort of stuff. How could you possibly leave your life up to chance, so to say? Uh, the random rolling of a dice. What, how could you make a wise decision um, based off the rolling of a dice? Well, you know, I don't think it's such a bad idea at the end of the day. And we kind of, you know, laugh at it. What you're really looking at is an instance in which somebody realizes they need to make a decision. And instead of remaining in this analysis paralysis mode and living, living in this lingered indes- state of indecision, um, they realize that it's time to man up and make a decision. Because making a, some sort of decision is better than making no decision at all. Um, and so you roll the dice and, and you live with it. And you might laugh at that, but how's that really fundamentally no different than us just saying, well... I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to make a random decision. Maybe there is some wisdom that the ancients had uh, and uh, the casting of lots. Maybe there's this, this wisdom and, and uh, you know, ultimately recognizing that we are living under the sovereignty of God and that we can ultimately trust all the outcomes of the entire universe to him and you and you might sit there and think well that was just an old testament sort of uh mindset you know the they they did that up to the times of in which the holy ghost was poured out at the day of pentecost and people will sometimes kind of chide the apostles a little bit well you know the apostles when Judas hung himself they had to replace Judas with somebody else to take his his office so you know they they went ahead and they looked at everybody standing around and said okay let's cast some lots let's Let's choose uh, somebody to replace Judas, and we're going to choose whoever's going to replace Judas by simply rolling the dice. And uh, whoever the dice tells us to pick, well, that's what we're going to do. And that's what they did, and we laugh at that. And we're like, well, that was such an Old Testament religion sort of mentality. Well, you know, I don't really think that it was. We, we can sit there and say, well, they did that sort of stuff before they had the Holy Ghost, But I don't think they were wrong for doing that. And I think it's wrong for us to look down on the Old Testament saints or the apostles for doing what they knew best. But don't get me wrong. When they cast lots, they weren't simply just making a random decision, though, even though there is that sort of sense of randomness in it. Any time you see them casting lots in the Old Testament... Uh, It's rumored that in the Old Testament the way they cast lots was not so much a rolling of the dice But they used the special breastplate of the high priest which had letters and it was supposed to illuminate and basically form a sentence Kind of like a Ouija board Um, (laughs) At the end of the day, um, but uh, you know they went ahead and they cast lots, but they only did that um, after weighing all the possible circumstances and having certain criteria met And getting to the point where they realized they needed to make a decision. But they weren't sure what the ultimate decision should be after um, weighing all the options. And so they cast lots um, to lay it before the Lord and ultimately see what God would have them to do. And they did that with uh, when they replaced Judas. They went ahead, the apostles set out some criteria and said, Well, you know, we need men who've been around for a while Uh, and you know, who have a certain character and disposition and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so they narrowed it down from the, the several hundred that were there with them of the 500 who had seen the risen Lord. Uh, they narrowed it down, uh, to a couple people and then they cast the lot and the lot fell on, and Matthias and Matthias ended up taking the empty place of Judas in the early church, um. And some people will say, no, God didn't choose Matthias. God chose the apostle Paul. Well, no, that's not how it happened, folks. So let's not read something that's not there in the text for those of you who are trying to, you know, live in that world and have that debate. At the end of the day, the apostles cast lots and the Bible never looks negatively at the apostles for choosing uh, Matthias by the casting of lots. Instead, the Bible refers to Matthias as one of the twelve. Um, from that time forward. So God never rejected um, the apostle's choice of Matthias um, by the casting of lots. And frankly, I don't think that if you were to cast lots today, um, that you would be totally in the wrong. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to encourage you to, to say, well, the, I have to make a hard decision in life, so I'm going to roll the dice and see what happens. Um, I'm not encouraging you to literally do that. Although if you did, you know, fundamentally... How's it, say, how's it any different than saying, I don't know what to choose, so I'm just going to choose something and live with it? Because at the end of the day, we all have to trust in the Lord and that he's ultimately guiding our lives. And that God has our back at the end of the day. Um, and that God honors our taking of the leap of faith so long as we do so with integrity and trusting God with the outcomes. What's it say? Uh, in the Bible, and all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Right? And all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. In other words, make some decisions already, folks. And trust that, you know, as you acknowledge the Lord and your decision making, as you honor him the best you can and the way you live and the choices you make, um, acknowledging God along the way. God's got your back. And you can make the hard decisions. You can choose the random thing even when you know, don't know what else to choose from. When all you're saying, well, all the options look bad. Or maybe all the options look great. Or maybe all the options look somewhere in between. When you don't know what to do. Just go ahead and make a decision. And don't stress whether or not it's the so-called perfect will of God. Trust that whatever lot falls your way whatever random thing happens, (laughs) whatever thing you choose, that ultimately God's going to be with you along the journey uh, simply because you're choosing uh, to acknowledge him. And to end on kind of a humorous note, my wife and I, uh, last year, we we went to Winston-Salem, North Carolina for vacation. We decided to to visit Old Salem in downtown Winston-Salem If you don't know the history of Old Salem, Old Salem is a Moravian settlement um, that was founded um, about the time prior to revolutionary America in the mid-1700s. Count Zinzendorf and his uh, group of Moravian missionaries came from Germany to establish little Christian colonies um, and missionary centers here in the uh, North America so that they could take the gospel to the uttermost ends of the earth just as they felt compelled to do and they organized their community and in organizing the communities that they set up it was a very strict community and you weren't supposed to just be one who randomly got married to whoever you felt like you should get married instead they had little what they called choruses uh, think of them as fraternities and sororities for each of the respective genders. you would have all the, the eligible uh, women living in one little cavern and you would have all the eligible bachelors living in another. And when you thought it was about time to get married after you'd been under supervision um, by another brother or sister in the community, and they, they agreed that it was uh, you know some, that you could approach the Lord about the prospects of getting married and that you were ready to get married in your life. Before you could simply do such though, they made you cast lots so that you could approach the lord and ask about possibly selecting a wife so that you could then have a conversation with the town elders about proposing to a woman for her hand in marriage and when we were in uh the moravian village here in old salem you know we came across the brothers chorus uh the brothers house as it was called and they told the story of them casting lots and i thought it was a very entertaining one especially with the fact that one of the uh, stories about a certain Moravian man involved him casting lots for eight years in a row. Lord, can I pursue a girl's hand in marriage? And he cast lot one year. And the answer came back, no, you cannot. And he would cast lots again the next year. And the answer would be, again, no. And then the next year, he cast lots again. Lord, can I pursue a woman's hand in marriage? And the lot fell back to him again, no. This happened a total of eight times. The lot cast eight times that he was not allowed to pursue a girl's hand in marriage. And it was only after eight times, <laughs> it was only after eight times that the Lord said yes. And this man was free to approach the elders about approaching a young woman to see if she wanted to get married. <laughs> Could you imagine that I thought dating in in the the 21st century was hard with having to go on e harmony to find my wife and to do all the things that I had to do to get married? I thought dating in the modern times was hard. Could you imagine having to wait eight years uh, before you finally got a, a green light from God on uh, how that it was okay for you to now approach somebody about the possibility of getting married <laughs> I, I think I would have had to go out and abandon that church at that point in my life But the young man finally got married my understanding after uh, eight negative no's from the Lord and his casting of lots um, But you know if I find that story interesting um, And I find it humorous because at the end of the day Um, it it is humorous that to think, man, somebody's leaving their life up to random chance like that, to, to the rolling of a dice, to the, the shaking of a magic eight ball to find out what the will of God is. Um, and we kind of laugh and chuckle at that because we feel like that's so primitive and backwards. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we all kind of already do that, don't we? In some sense, when we think, when we leave things up to chance and, and randomness, Um, but I think, you know, we're better off like the Moravians taking such things seriously. Instead of living in a world of indecision, we decide to make a decision and we consult family, friends, we weigh the risk, we weigh the rewards, and then we ultimately leave it all up to the hands of God. And so we make a decision. Um, and while we may not be shaking a magic eight ball or rolling some dice, um, I think it speaks still to the overall process that you and I must ultimately engage in when it comes to making hard decisions. So let's not laugh. Okay, let's let's laugh at the story. It's humorous. It's funny as ever. But, uh, you know, let's not laugh at them in some sort of high I'm a sophisticated individual sort of uh, person. And uh, I'm a man of reason and science. And I could never leave my... Decision-making up to the casting of a lot and rolling of some dice. Um, But in fact, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of do that already. But guess what? That's okay. God has our back. He's watching out over us. If his eye is on the sparrow, then his eye is on us. He's with us in all of our comings and goings. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He promised. So knowing such things, and knowing that God has all placed us like Adam and Eve in our own little garden? Let's name some animals. Let's go ahead and tend to some plants. Wherever we are, let's just go ahead and try to flourish. Let's go ahead and and act out of the, the individual that God has made us to be and to follow the vision that he has ultimately set in our hearts, whatever that ultimately ends up being. And let us trust God with whatever the outcomes might be. Even if some of those things, some of the hard decisions we have to make lead to less than ideal scenarios in our lives. Uh, let us trust that, you know, God's not surprised at our decision. He didn't wake up and he wasn't surprised with what we did. Um, so let us live like that. That God's not surprised by our choices. And that the lot, whatever it lands on, however it is cast, its decision is ultimately from him. Because he's got our back and he's watching over us at the end of the day. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com. This has been episode 76. The casting of lots and making hard decisions. I hope you've gleaned something from this. Um, and making some hard decisions in your life. If so, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from your, your story on this. Email me, Jimmy at jimmystable.com. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can do so at jimmystable.com. Or if you're following this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other major place where podcasts are broadcast from, simply hit the subscribe button. And be sure if the place that you're subscribing through allows for reviews and feedback, be sure to leave your generous five-star review with glowing commentary about how awesome this podcast is and what a benefit it has been to you. And be sure to share it with others. If you know somebody else who's been uh, trying to make some hard decisions with somebody in, you, uh, in their life and, and you think you could help them uh, make those hard decisions, you know, share this podcast with them and encourage them to leave their five-star review once the, they listen to this podcast and it forever changes their life. Uh, And I I do encourage, again, those five-star reviews because I don't have time for your three-star reviews. I don't want your three-star reviews. Glowing five-star reviews is where it's at, folks. So everybody, again, this has been Jimmy Humphrey at JimmyStable.com where I'm having conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Have a good day and take care and God bless. smudge